the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I had the weirdest dream about, I guess, three or four nights ago, and you wake up and you kind of remember most of it, and it's one of those where I remembered I don't know how to even start it, but it, it was weird. But somebody come to me and said, I saw your video on the internet. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. And I said, what do you mean didn't think it was that bad? He said, well, I mean, a lot of people, you know, what they said and everything, you, it's like viral now. You hadn't seen it. It's got thousands of hits. I'm like, what video of me? He said, the one on the internet. So I ran to the computer and looked it up, and it was a video of me. I had gone out of town and stayed in a hotel for the weekend or something by myself. And apparently, NASA had videotaped every move that I made. It's a dream, okay? If I would have thought it up, it would have been the FBI or CIA or something. You know, I'd have been James Bond in the... In, the, in my dream, but no, it was NASA that videotaped everything I did that whole weekend and then posted it on the internet, and everybody was watching it, and it had gone viral, and millions of people had seen it, and thousands of posts, and people were making fun of me and what I did while I was there by myself, not knowing that I was being videotaped, and you can imagine how my heart jumped into my throat. I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I do in a whole weekend space of time that I didn't know that I was being videotaped every second. Can you imagine how you would feel if everything you did for an entire weekend was posted for the whole world to see? Well, thankfully, the worst, I went back and looked at the video. Not in real life, but in my dream. Because I, I actually woke up during the dream and went to the restroom and came back and started dreaming it again. So when I went back, I started dreaming. I had to go find out what the video said. So when I went back to sleep, I, I watched the video. And the worst that I had done was talk to myself, mumbled, and praised God under my breath, and, and, shout, and, and, and sang some songs to, my, to the Lord, you know, glorifying God. So I didn't do anything really terribly embarrassing. Of course, some of the people on the Internet thought that was kind of flaky. But I was glad that it, it hadn't been that long ago. If it had been 15, 20, 30 years ago, they might have got a different picture of me. <laughs> I might have been talking bad about somebody. I might have been watching something I shouldn't have watched. But I am thankful that God has been doing a work in me. And some of the basic things I seem to have under control. But not all the things. I don't have everything. I'm not up here to say that I have everything under control. I know I don't. And I know you don't either. So we're all in the same boat together. Tonight's message is along those lines called Keeping It Real. Tonight's message is called, called Keeping It Real. 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll launch from there. Second Peter, you might find it right behind 1 Peter. Just to the right of 
1 Peter. And it says in verse 3, chapter 1, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Well, that's good news. By God's divine, supernatural power, we have everything that we could possibly need to live a godly life. What are we missing? I mean, why aren't we living a godly life? We are without excuse. We have the written Word of God. We have the Word of God in our hearts. We have the Spirit of God to lead and guide us. We have the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from our sin. We have the name of Jesus to proclaim and grab hold of all the promises of God. What is it that that we're lacking? We have divine power. And we have received all of this by how? Coming to know Him. The One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. How did we receive everything that we need? We accepted it, yeah. It's it's by Jesus. It's by our relationship. Because we entered into a relationship with Jesus. It's not because we obeyed the law. It's not because of anything else. It's because of a relationship. It's getting real with God. At some point, we had to get real with God. We had to get off our high horse... We had to come down off our high horse and admit our need for a Savior. We had to get real. Look at somebody say, just keeping it real. (laughs) And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. The Bible is chock full of them. You should get in there sometime. You You know, if you had a drawer full of uh, checks written out to you, you'd get in there, wouldn't you? You'd say, let me see. Oh, here's one for a 1000 Let me go cash that. I would stay in that drawer until I got all them checks cashed. Wouldn't you? And it says we have exceedingly great precious promises stacked up in this Word of God, backed up by a God who cannot lie. That's a good bank right there. I'd trust God over Bancor South any day. Not to pick out on anyone in particular. But. And it says, these are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature. I want you to think about that. Divine nature. What is divine? That's godly. You can have a godly nature. By grabbing hold of what he says is yours. He wants you to look into this book like it says in James and see what manner of man you ought to be and live it out and to do it. To get real with God. To believe like you say you believe. And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And see, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Inside you is a a war going on. There are warring entities, so to speak. There is a divine nature of God that's been placed there when you got born again and got the Spirit of God. And then there's that 
flesh, our human desires. Verse 5 says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. They're not there just for you to read over and say, that's nice. They're there to respond to. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. See, these are the things we should be working towards. These are the things promises should be working out in our life. Moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. See, we've got to control that self because that's the enemy most of the time. I'd say self is a bigger enemy than the devil. The devil's been defeated. Self is still there. And self-control with patient endurance. Talk to somebody already tonight that's going through hard times. But I could have been talking to any of y'all probably, right? You've got to have patient endurance. You can't quit on this journey. Patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And everything always ends with love, it seems like, in the Bible. It always comes, if you drained it all down the funnel, at the bottom of the funnel, there's always going to be love. It's always about love. And so when you're doing all this, working out all these promises and everything, when you come down at the, at the end of the manufacturing line, you're going to have a big old hunk of love, a hunk of hunk of burning love. Right? The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll know how to operate these promises. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Well, there's the problem. Work. It's a four-letter word to many of us. We can have everything that God promises, but it didn't just heap upon us. We have to work for it. Like I was telling somebody tonight, God promised them the promised land, but they had to go in and take it. It was theirs, but they had to physically take it. They had to work for it. (laughs) Many people want to just cross over the Jordan, but they never want to enter in to the land really flowing with milk and honey. It says work hard to prove that you really are among those God called and chose. You are called and you are chosen. You're not supposed to come out of the world so that nobody can even tell you're a Christian. If you were in a court of law, they wouldn't have enough evidence to convict you of Christianity. That's not the way it's designed to be. See, when God saved us with a holy calling, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're something that never before existed. We're not the old person at all. We're not supposed to be. It's supposed to be dead and buried in baptism, in the tomb. We're resurrected in the newness of life like we talked about. And we come out, man, we are new. We got a divine nature. That's hard to grasp. Many of us, we just choose to be something that God never intended. This is good. This is just coming to me. 
God intends us to live in the divine nature. But we want to, stay, we want to have the divine nature, but live in the old man. God never intended that creature to exist. It was like come out of the one and into the other. He said, I would that you were hot or cold. But many want to live in the lukewarm. They have the ability to live in the divine nature, but they live in the lukewarm. Do these things and you will never fall away. You won't have to be a yo-yo Christian. You won't have to be strong today and then fall again next week like you did before. I always do this. I always go back to my same old sin. I, I struggle with this. We never overcome the things, but God has made us more than overcomers in Him. Then God will give you grand entrance if you do these things. God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, when I bust up into heaven, I want it to be something. I want to come, here I am, and the angels, there he is, wow! He's here! He's the one that shook the earth! I don't want to come walking in. Sorry, God. I know, I know, I know. Very ashamed to walk into the pearly gates. No, I want a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that happens. That is my goal. I'm saving up treasures in heaven. I don't care about this place. I will leave this place. The battle is real. The battle is real. Now I'm talking to the next level Wednesday bunch. You know what the battle is. It's your divine nature against your old sinful nature. There's two warring parties within you that's fighting for control of what goes on between your ears. And I'm not saying that the fight ain't real. And I'm not saying that anybody wins all the time. It's always going to be a struggle while we're in this flesh. There's coming a day we'll see Him, we'll be like Him, and everything will be finished. And no more sorrow that day. But until then, there will be a struggle. There will be fight. That's why you can't just say, well, we're a peaceful nation and we're not even going to stand up for ourselves. We're just going to love our enemies. No, that's why God gave us government authorities to take care of our enemies, to protect us, because there will always be a war against good and evil. You can't let... He said, I come to bring a sword. Well, you said, well, didn't he say I'm the prince of peace? Yeah, peace between God and man, but not between good and evil. He never came to make peace with evil. He said, I come to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he thinks about the works of the devil. And listen, real change requires we get real with that reality. We got, to, we got to recognize that there is a war going on. Some people have never even heard this. Turn to Romans chapter 7. But once you know that there's a war, and once you know whose team you're on, then, hey, you know what weapons you're fighting with. You'll get the victory. Romans 7.21 Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome. 
says, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Do you feel like that sometimes? Some of you might already be beating yourself up because you're thinking, man, he's really getting on us tonight because I know I don't do everything right. Well, here's the Apostle Paul confessing that he don't do everything right either. He wants to, but sometimes he don't. Verse 22, he says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is in, at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I wish he would have just taken away that sinful nature. But it's still there lying dormant and, and for us to pick back up and put on those old clothes if we want to. Oh, what a miserable person I am, he says. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then verse 25 gives us the answer. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one who gives us victory. He's the one that frees us from this life of sin, this cycle of sin, this cycle of death, the wages coming every so often because of the sin that we live in. Hebrews 2.18 says Jesus himself has gone through suffering and testing as a human. He's able to help us when we are being tested. He knows what we're going through. We're not dealing with somebody who's, who hadn't put on this flesh, who haven't understood the, the struggles that we deal with. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. As soon as you click on that channel and you see what you ought not see, He's saying something in your heart should be going, wait a minute, change that, change that. You're not changing it. You're watching it. Don't watch it. Change it off the channel. The Holy Spirit deals with me like that. I can't sit there and do something that I ought not because He's dealing with me. If the Holy Spirit doesn't deal with you in that way, you need to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to what God wants. But I believe that, that He deals with you like that too. He's making a way of escape. He's leading all, leading all the time into righteousness. He's leading down the path that leads to life, not the one that leads to death. When, you, when you're tempted just to smack them, they deserve it. He's saying, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, too late, you smacked them. Now tell them you're sorry. Now he's, now he's going to the next thing. Tell them you're sorry. You, you're going to have to apologize now. You know that. And then he's going to hound you until you, I don't want to, God. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't have done it. And then he's going to work with you. And, and, and he's, if you let him, he's making a way of escape. He's always leading you to do what's right. Let's turn to Romans 8. Did I say that? We were just in 7, so we should be in 8 now. Turn right. Chapter 8, verse 5. Talks more about the two natures that we're struggling with. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Sinful nature, 
divine nature. Sinful nature, the spirit. You understand? Well, how are you dominated by the sinful nature? Can the sinful nature just jump up and dominate you? Take over your life? No, it's your choices. If you go down that path, you're allowing yourself to be dominated. The devil can do nothing to you but lie to you and get you to make a bad choice. He has no authority over you. To, he can't put nothing on you unless God allows it. Nothing that, that he says to you, everything he says to you is a lie, first of all. If you hear his voice, you feel that scratchy feeling on, that ain't God. Then run. Don't. Look, you can either be dominated by your sinful nature or you can uh, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, so letting your sinful nature controls your mind, to let your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Oh, I can't wait to get there. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's where I want to stay. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never would, and it never will. Before you got saved, it didn't want to do what God wanted to do back then. And when you got saved, that sinful nature still doesn't want to do what God wants to do. It's a war going on. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. See, God didn't design you to be that lukewarm person. That's something He never intended. He designed you to be a son of God, a daughter of God, controlled by His Spirit. And that's why those who are still under the control of a sinful nature can never please God, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to Him at all. In other words, if you hadn't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, good luck trying to act right. It just ain't possible. You might do it for a little while, put up appearances, but every motive in your heart is wrong. It's all about self. You, you think you love, but you just really lust. But I don't want to get on that kick, but... I'm preaching real good, but I need to stop. Okay, verse 10. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, by the way. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. In other words, this flesh that we live in one day will die, but our spirit will never die. And then we will be given new immortal bodies like we talked about Sunday, right? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to, to your mortal, mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. See, we should, people shouldn't have to ask, are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? They should be able to see by the fruit emanating from our life. We are fruit producers. You can tell if somebody is born, you can almost look in people's eyes. Usually, you know, just listen to a few words out of their mouth. 
And you can tell if somebody is a child of God. But the problem is, is I don't know if it's as, just because we're here in America, I always pick on the American church, but we are a soft church. But many who have received the Spirit of God and received their salvation have the Spirit and the divine nature living on the inside of them. Instead of working out their salvation, remember that word work, remember instead of working hard to live towards holiness and righteousness, they would rather say, well, I'm saved and put on a mask and pretend to be holy rather than actually fighting for true holiness and fighting for true righteousness that really honors God. There's different reasons people put on a mask. One is to so that, you know, they don't have to, they, they can come to church and say, I'm a Christian, and they, but they're behind the scenes. If their life were to be filmed by NASA, <laughs> it's a different story. Right? So they put on a mask and look good in public. But masks aren't real. And when you put on a mask, most of the time you're not fooling anybody but yourself. People can tell you got a mask on. God can certainly tell that you have a mask on. James 1.22, James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Other than that, you're just fooling yourselves. It's not enough to come and listen to what the preacher has to say. Are you living it? People can tell most times those who are wearing a mask. There's a story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul, I think it was either Silas or Barnabas, I can't remember which one, were going around preaching. And there was this woman following along with them. She was saying, y'all listen to these men. They're men of God. They're telling you the true way to salvation. And she was like heralding everything that they said, you know, getting everybody ready. Y'all come listen to these men. And I'm thinking, hey, that'd be nice if, you know, People had a woman in the church standing out front saying, y'all come in here, we're preaching the Word of God, you know. If we had people so excited, they're yelling out and telling people, you got to come. That's what we're really working towards, that people want to tell somebody. And I'm thinking, that woman's really got it together. But then about a day later, the Apostle Paul turns to her and says, Satan, come out of her. He cast the devil out of her. He got tired of her saying that. And I'm thinking, Paul, what was you saying that I didn't? But she, a devil came out of her. And she was pretending. She had on a mask. Like she was with Paul, and, but she was working behind the scenes. She didn't care. A devil come out of this woman. Paul was able to see beyond the mask, even though she was saying the right things, doing the right things. Showing up to all the services. Does that make sense to anybody? Some people, some people, they drive down the road and their engine's going, whoop it, whoop it, whoop it, making all kind of noise, fixing to throw a piston any minute now, throw a rod or something. And they say, man, that's loud. So they cut the radio up. 
So they don't have to hear it. Just try to mask the noise. And see, a lot of people, there's some people that put on a mask so they don't have to do the work, but there's other people that put on a mask because things are so bad in their life and they don't want anybody to know. Some people come up in the church where they're supposed to receive healing and they won't come down to the altar. They won't tell anybody that they need prayer. And they put on a mask like everything is all right. But really, they're about to throw a rod. <laughs> Either way, Jesus sees through mask. He loves those who are hurting. And he's trying to break, get you to take your mask off and be real. And those who are just playing church and have demons or whatever. <laughs> he called out the religious Pharisees. He called them a bunch of whitewashed tombs. He said, man, y'all look really good on the outside. Y'all got your robes of flowing. You got your phylacteries and all the things that you wear. You can quote the scriptures. Man, you can pray. Fire down from heaven just without a sound of your voice. But I tell you what, on the inside, you're like dead man's bones. You're just a whitewashed tomb. You look good on the outside. You got a mask on. He said in Matthew 23, 28, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. There was a Pharisee Jesus was talking to a group of people who had a religious spirit, Pharisees, teachers of the religious law. They thought that they were better than somebody else, you know. They, they looked down their nose at everybody else. And Jesus told a story. He said there was a Pharisee that came to the temple to pray. And at the same time, there was a hated tax collector, a sinner, who came to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, he looks up to heaven and says, Oh God, I thank you I'm not like everybody else because I tithe and I fast twice a week. I'm especially glad I ain't like that cat over there. He's smelling dirty and ugly. I thank you, Lord, that, that I'm not like that. I'm paraphrasing. Well, it says the tax collector wouldn't even draw very close, wouldn't look up, but just beat on his chest and said, Forgive me, God, for I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you what, that sinner was the one walked away justified. Because he was real. And see, we're all that sinner. We're all in that position. N none of us are over here better than anybody else. None of us have arrived. We're all in the position of that sinner. We might as well beat on our chest and say, Thank you, God, every day for his mercies new again today. Woo! I mean, almost, but we can look up. He didn't have everything right, but he had, but there was an attitude of the heart where he was being real. And that's the same realness that we had to get to before we could receive that Spirit of God on the inside in the first place. That's the hardest thing is get people to the end of themselves. A.W. Tozer, he said, the Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience. 
nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The two are opposite sides of the same coin. In other words, they're about the same thing. Let me read it again. The Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience. As it says in James, if you've got some faith, show it by your works. There needs to be some fruit. Your tree will be known by its fruit. So, and then it says, and there's, nor does it have any obedience that does not spring from faith. You can be doing the right things. You can be obedient to what God wants. But you're really not doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it to be seen of man. You're doing it because it'll, you think it'll boost you to a position that you want or something. You're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Both of them are two sides of the same coin. What God desires is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. An obedient person. And he, res- and he desires to get you there through a personal relationship with Him. There's no other way. You will not step into the things of God just by studying your way there or because of your abundant knowledge. Didn't I talk about, I don't know why he keeps coming to mind, Solomon, the wisest man ever. When he was a young king, he, God asked him, I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? He said, I want the wisdom to rule your people well. Excellent answer. God said, because you did not ask for riches for yourself or long life, I'm going to give you that wisdom that you asked for, and I'm going to give you riches and long life. And he was the richest king ever. But I thought about it. He should have asked asked for a rich relationship with God. That's what he should have sought after. Because in that relationship, it's more than knowledge. He needed more than knowledge. He needed a rich relationship with God. Because in the end of his life, he turned to... Uh, 700 wives and concubines. I don't even know what a concubine is, but he had a bunch of them. I got one wife, and I'm plenty busy. He, with, with 700, 800 of these people, his, they, he started worshiping and building temples to other gods and stuff. He had all this wisdom, but without relationship, wisdom won't last long. It's relationship, I'm telling you. Real change is not something that you can put on. It's something that begins on the inside. If you want to live like Jesus, you've got to walk with Jesus. And that's the way He intended it, for you to walk out this salvation with Him. His love is the real change agent after all. It's not our willpower. You might can try to be a good person. I tried and tried before I got saved. And you, you can try and try after you get saved. And some of you that's listening to this CD or this podcast may have just recently got saved and you're thinking, man, I, ain't, I can't, you know, I ain't been walking with Jesus long enough. I don't have any knowledge. Well, God is patient. He will work this out with you. It's not going to happen all at once. But if you've been walking with Him for 20-some years and there's still no fruit, you've got to ask yourself, are you just wearing the mask? If you love Him, 
you will obey His commandments. Love is the change agent. Your love for Him and His love for you. It goes both ways. I wouldn't have any of this without His love for me. I wouldn't even know that He was up there without His love for me until I saw it on the cross. But, but in turn, that made a great love for Him come out of me, and that's why I do what I do. I don't try to obey Him because I have all this wisdom about what's coming next. I obey Him because I love Him. And whatever comes next is fine with me after that. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. When it's all said and done, it's just all Him. Even if we do good, even if, if our lives are producing all kinds of fruit and we rarely ever sin and, and we're the Mother Teresa of the Passion Church. <laughs> None of us are still going to be able to get to heaven and boast because it's Christ in us. It's Him that gives us the willpower and the ability to do what pleases Him. We just can't be too prideful or ashamed to accept His mercy and forgiveness. Just take off the mask and say, I need it. Just like you did when you got saved. That day that you came forward in a church service or that day you broke down in tears when somebody told you that your sins could be forgiven and you knew you needed it and you got to that place where the end of yourself, that's the place you need to stay at the end of yourself. That's where life begins at the end of yourself. When you pick self back up, pride keeps you from going down to get the ministering that you need. Pride keeps you from confiding in anybody. You're too ashamed to accept. That's, that's self. Self is doing those things. I thank God for 1 John 1.9 every day. And sometimes I use it every day. That God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we'll confess our sins. That's the way Christians live. We, we're not the perfect bunch. We're just the getting back up bunch. And the, the, the humble bunch that will receive the mercy and forgiveness provided for us. It all comes by getting to know Him. Martha, Martha, you know, she was trying to work her way into God's graces. and She wanted to look good to Jesus. And He was like... I understand what you're doing, Martha, but why don't you just come here and sit a while? And that's what a lot of us need to do. We just need to come sit and stop trying to impress Jesus. Sometimes I, I hear myself praying, and I'm like, God, am, am I just saying that to hear myself pray? Or am I really talking to you? You know? We've got to think about our motives. Are, are, we, are we sitting at his feet? Because remember, all things that pertain to life and godliness come how? They come by coming to know Him. So we get real with ourselves. We got real with ourselves long enough to get saved. And we stay real with ourselves to walk in His mercy and grace every day. We get real with Jesus in our relationship. Make that real. Make that real. I mean, every sermon ever preached could come back to that. It's the, His love for you and your love for Him. And then, the last thing we'll talk about is 
Don't uh, get real with others. And I would start off by saying, don't hang out with pretenders. If you want to fall in love with Jesus, find somebody else that's in love with Jesus and hang out with them. Don't hang out with uh, the self-professed sin police either. You got those in churches that go around telling you how terrible you are and how you got to get yourself right. And, And all they do is exasperate you make you feel condemned, and always point you back to your own self-will again, which is fruitful. And that's not the way it's done. Find gracious people in your life, people, other people who have taken off the mask and who will show you love and always lead you back to the source of your strength, the true source of your strength. They'll lead you back to Jesus. Find people who know Jesus. Those are the guys you want to hang out with. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. What? Boy, if the Catholic Church heard you say that, they'd say sacrilege. You're supposed to do that to the priest. Confess your sins to each other. If you want to confess, you know, I, I confess them to God, first and foremost. But I think this is more talking about your faults. You might not want to go and tell your, everybody everything. Be careful who you confide in. Be one of those gracious friends. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something going on here in relationships. That's why I think Jesus gave us the church so we could build those kind of relationships. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You find the right person and he's earnest about his about God, and, and you tell him about your sins, he'll pray for you, and, and you'll get healed. I had a coach in high school that taught me, uh, he was my baseball coach for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade years. His name was Ronald Doss, Coach Ron Doss. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But that man, he took me when I was nothing but crazy. I was headed in the wrong direction fast. I was on the, the freeway to nowhere. And, and he started making me realize that there was more to life. He started making me realize that I could, ha- I could be a person of integrity. At least at baseball, you know, when he had me there. He, he would do all he could. He would, he would tell me to have some class, son. He would stop. He would... Keep me from being a heathen. Now, he don't know all the things I did when he wasn't watching. But he did enough. And and he was just a coach. He didn't have that much influence in my life. But he did enough. I will credit him. I probably would be in jail right now if he wouldn't have straightened me up and been a man figure in my life at that point in my life through my high school years and give me something to fight for. Even if it was just baseball and something carnal. He made it important to me. He gave me something to shoot for. He told me I could do it. He believed in a young man that didn't believe in himself and wanted to give up and just go to the dogs and live for the devil. But he gave me a reason to get through my teenage years. Coach Ronald Doss, you should cherish healthy discipleship in your life. You need to find you a Ronald Doss in your life. Somebody who believes in you Believes God can do it in you. Another thing, have accountability partners. 
you know, it doesn't have to be anything official, but have brothers that you talk to and tell, tell your stuff to, and, they, and they'll, they'll turn around and say, man, you need to stop that. Somebody that will be honest with you. Those next level friendships. You know, not to just, hey, how you doing? Every Sunday, you know, we could all say we're friends in here, but how many of us know each other and I could come and confess my sins to you, you know? But you need those next level friends. Somebody will be honest with you and not just tell you what you want to hear. And of course, God gave us the church and we can have godly church authority over our lives, pastors and teachers and preachers and so forth, evangelists come in, people who will speak into your life, give you godly correction sometimes, if you'll receive it. Those things are, are what God intends for us. That's why I believe He gave us the church. And if you're real enough to confess your sins one to another, then be real enough to be somebody, somebody else can confess their sins to and you not go blab it. Right? That's the kind of people we need to be. We need to be coming a, a, a Ronald Doss for somebody else. Nothing helps us overcome our challenges like getting our attention on helping somebody else. You know, when, when the world has got you down, it seems like the devil's got his foot on your neck, and, it's, and you just, man... You, you don't know if you can go on. Some of you may be just barely dragged in here tonight and you're just thinking, God, you've got to give me something. You're just barely getting by. Nothing sometimes helps more than stop thinking about your situation and, and get thinking about somebody else. Just, okay, that's the best way to do it. Say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be about your business so that you can be about my business. You just start helping somebody else in their situation. There's always somebody else to help. There'll be somebody that you can, and you start focusing on helping them, you start getting them an answer before you know it. Either your situation's fixed or you realize your situation wasn't that bad in the first place. It was just the way you was looking at it. And a lot of times it's just the way we're looking at it. Perspective is so important in this life. This light affliction is but for a moment. But anyway, helping somebody else, it circles back to love again, doesn't it? See, that's love, showing love. You're showing love to somebody else and it helps your situation. Love is the most powerful force. Love is always the key, keeping it real. <clears throat> real with myself. Real with Jesus and real with others. There's nothing easy about holiness, but I can guarantee you, whatever you have to do to get there, it's worth it. I'm not talking about a perfectness. I'm talking about working towards it. You know, I'm talking about a set apart, a life pursuing godliness. <clears throat> it's worth the fight. We all have a real struggle with sin. Like I said, there's something in your life that the devil tempts you with because he knows that's your weak point. We all have it. We all have struggles. But we, I'm not saying that in doing any of this, we can just say, well, you know, I'm just going to trust God and not do anything. I'm not, saying, I'm not advocating getting rid of your responsibility. We all have a responsibility 
to do our natural part. <clears throat> but I, I'm just telling you how to get it done best. It's to keep your eyes on Jesus. Talk to Him. Be real with Him. He loves real people. I can guarantee you. We can't live behind a mask. Jesus <clears throat> spends time with those who will sit at His feet. He'll, he'll teach you. He'll show you. He doesn't listen to Pharisees all that much, I don't believe. All that big talk. They, be, they may have the pretty sounding prayers, but he pays attention to real people who will be real about themselves, who will beat on their chest and say, have mercy on me, God. He'll send Ronald Dawses into your life if you'll listen to him. If you'll, let, you'll let somebody in your life. He'll, he'll make you a Ronald Doss. For somebody else. And that's where it gets real good. So one day, we're all going to get to heaven. And NASA is going to set up this big widescreen. Not really. But God will have already seen it all. And that's what really counts. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.